The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. The Gospel of the Lord. There's a refrain in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament where the writer says, Vanity of vanities, everything is vanity. There is nothing new under the sun. And it's this emphasis that the writer puts upon, uh, upon things that, that day after day after day, the story is the same and the need is the same. And in that same light, the gospel that we just heard with the great commandment, the greatest commandment, is something which is always the same. In fact, we could listen to the Sunday Gospel every single weekend, every single day even, and it would always be relevant to us. It would always be right on target. Because there's never a point at which we can say, I love God enough. There's always more. There's always more. The Lord God invites us to love him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and as another gospel adds, with all of our strength. To love God above all things, this is the first and the greatest commandment. It's those words that would actually lead St. Augustine of Hippo, a great bishop and doctor of the church from the fourth century, to be able to look at his people in his own congregation and to tell them that love And do what you will. In other words, if we love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength, whatever we do will be good. If we truly love God with that same intensity, all of the rest of the commandments, we don't need them. Because we will not be inclined to do anything ill. We will have no ill will towards God, towards our neighbor, towards ourselves, because we are filled with the love of God. If we fulfill this first commandment in its depths, we have nothing else to worry about. To love the Lord our God. The problem, though, is that in the midst of the human race, the human heart struggles to love God. In every age... In every time, in every place, in every heart. The reality is that we struggle to be able to love God with all of our heart, our mind, and all of our soul, and all of our strength. Sometimes we desire our own will. We desire to enjoy the things of the flesh rather than the things of the spirit. We immerse ourselves in the things of the world rather than to get caught up in the things of heaven. 
so the Lord continues to call us to increase our love. Indeed, we do love God, right? That's why we're here. None of us comes to church because we don't love God. Rather, we come because there is love in our hearts and we recognize the need that we have for him. But so too also, we pray that that need and that love would increase. In the 1600s, in the late 1600s, our Lord Jesus appeared in visible form to a young religious sister. Her name was Margaret Mary. She was a visitation sister in a small community in uh, the French town Paray-le-Monial. A simple community, a simple sister. But he appeared to her with an important message. Again, he appeared in visible form as if he was standing directly in front of her. and Indeed, he was. Except it wasn't like normal because he revealed his heart. She could see his actual heart and it was on fire. And he explained to her that his heart was on fire because it was the love with which the heart of God burns for the human race. That that love is so intense that it goes to any length necessary to seek to save us. That our Lord humbled himself and took on our very flesh. That he lived among us for some 30 plus years. Ultimately even offering himself on his death on the cross. A visible reminder that there is no length to which God is not willing to go to save us. The immensity of his love. But showing, had, showing her that heart of love for the human race, he had a lamentation that he gave, a sorrow that he expressed. And he expressed it in very few words. He simply looked at her and he said, love is not loved. Love is not loved. He says, I long for the human race, but they don't long for me. I love humanity. But they love their own will rather than they love me. Love is not loved. Over the course of the next year, he appeared to her on several other occasions. And he revealed to her this devotion which he encouraged her to spread through the life of the church. A devotion to the most sacred heart of Jesus. One which would encourage the human race to love. Mindful of the love of God for us within can be filled with our love for him. And so she began to spread that devotion far and wide, as much as she was able. About an hour and a half drive from that little village, Perelimonial, is another little village named Ars. That village is a tiny place that even today, though it has a great importance of the life of the church, Majority of French people don't know it actually exists. When you ask someone, what's the way to ours? They look at you and they go, where? It's a nowhere place. And yet it is a place also where God continues to reveal his love. In the 1800s, there was a simple young priest. His name was John. John was a normal guy. He was a farmer, worked for his family. He was one who wasn't necessarily supposed to be, in the eyes of the world, a priest. He was a late vocation. Rather than entering the seminary in his teens, he was already in his 20s. They figured life had already passed him by. (laughs) 
I wonder what they would say about the guys that entered today in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. But that's a different story. But John entered late. He was kind of an oddball right off the start. And because of the way the things had worked out in his childhood, he didn't have the greatest education, and he struggled in school. And he struggled so badly that at one point he was actually kicked out of the seminary because his grades were too bad. But he persevered. He continued to press forward and got some tutoring from his local pastor to help him to understand and to be able to keep up with the classes to keep up his grades. And they accepted him again. He went forward and continued in his studies, and he got up to the day of the examination and preparation for his ordination. At that time, you had to literally pass a test for them to approve you, and he failed. Discouraged, he went back home. But that same pastor again encouraged him, don't give up. And they continued to study a bit more. And his pastor went to the bishop and said, there's something about this one. I can't explain it. But I have this feeling that if we ordain him a priest, God will do great things through him. John went back for a second examination and passed. And he was soon after ordained a priest. And he was sent to that little village of ours, which was in the middle of nowhere. Just a little town in a little valley. When he arrived there, it was a place that was not exactly thriving. In fact, the bishop knew that whenever he sent him. He looked at John, whom his pastor had said something is special about this one. And he looked at him and he said, John, I'm giving you a mission. The village of ours and the church does not have much love of God in it. It's your job to put it there. They don't love God much. It's your task to help them. And so he went. And he arrived and found 230 people were entrusted to his care in the little village. His church was being used as the atheist meeting house because nobody believed in God. <laughs> there was no worship. Rather, they were using it for anti-worship. It gives you a taste of exactly what he encountered there. But he didn't give up. He didn't lose hope. He trusted in the good Lord. And he began to pray. <clears throat> He knew that if he was supposed to instill the love of God in anyone else, it had to start within his own heart first. And so he spent many hours before the Blessed Sacrament in prayer. He devoted himself to daily Mass, to praying on the Rosary, to going around and getting to know his parishioners and visiting especially the sick and the dying. And over time, little by little, the love of God began to grow. He spent 41 years there as a priest, as the pastor of that little parish, and at the end of that time, so great was the work that God had done through him that he spent upwards of 15 hours a day in the confessional, seven days a week. People would come from across the country and from foreign countries simply to go to confession. Because so great was the love of God and the mercy of God working through this priest that they would do anything to, to, to experience it. So he would spend 15, 16 hours a day in the confessional. He would offer Mass for an hour in the mornings. He would spend a couple of hours in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament, spend a couple of hours visiting the sick in his community, and he'd take an hour or two at night to sleep if he needed to. So great was the love of God in this man that he converted people to Jesus Christ just at sight of him. 
I recall one story, the, the, the actual church that he ministered in, you could fit probably four of them within our chapel here. It's a tiny place. And so all of these people gathering around, they couldn't necessarily fit in the church. And in his later years, people would come and they would gather and they would try their best to look in the windows or sit outside the door and simply to look or try to listen. But in his later years, his voice had grown weak. And one person recounted how they were sitting outside the front door of the church. They couldn't hear a word he was saying, but they could see by the voice, but they could see by his preaching that he loved God with an incredible love. When he would preach, he would cry because he was so in love with God. And they saw those tears of love and they were struck to the heart. He became a saint, ordained or um, canonized not too long after his death. He became the patron of French priests and then of parish priests. And now he is the patron of all priests, St. John Vianney. 150 years after his death, people still flocked to this little village in ours in the middle of nowhere to go and to pray. Still, they pack out daily mass three times a day and now in a large church. As people come to see this little priest whose body is still there and corrupt. And to pray in the presence of one who loved God with such a tremendous love. You see... When we love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, something changes. Something around us necessarily changes because the world cannot experience the love of God and walk away unchanged. They thirst for it. We long for it. It's written into our souls. We need the love of God. And when we find it, what a joy it is. To be filled with it ourselves. To allow that same love to burn within our hearts. It's what we desire, really. St. Margaret Mary, the little nun to which our Lord appeared. At one point in the moment in that time of prayer, she desiring to love the Lord with a love that was missing. He did a strange thing. He reached into her breast and pulled out her heart and placed it in his own, in a spiritual manner, of course. And there she saw her heart come aflame with the same fire that his heart was burning with. And he took her heart and placed it back into her breast, and she was overcome with a love that she had never known before. And the Lord Jesus desires to do the same with us. Every single Mass. He wants us to come and to increase in our love. That was our opening prayer today, right? Lord, increase our faith, hope, and charity. Increase our love. Because that's the thing that the Lord desires most. We can come and we can bring Him all sorts of things, and indeed we must. To do all sorts of things for Him, and indeed we must. Because it's His due. But the thing which we must give above all is love. To love. To love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And to do whatever we do. Because if we love the Lord with that intensity, we will do good things. 
So as we draw close to here today to our Lord once more, we know that he draws close to us. Indeed, he remains always close to us. He longs for us to be with him. So much so to, that he remains in our presence. He stays in the tabernacle. Over and over again, John Vianney would look at his parishioners and he would point to the tabernacle and he would say, He is here. He is here. Our God is never far away from us. So great is his love that he comes incredibly near. So as we come to this Holy Mass, as we too draw near to him, may we not do it just simply in our flesh, but even more so in our love. May the Lord increase our love today. And may he increase it every single day. That we might learn by the course of our days to do exactly that which Christ calls us. To love the Lord our God with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our heart.